So my wife Abby and I met at school. We went to Lincoln Christian College. It's also called Lincoln Christian University now. I don't think we ever had a class together. Um, our friend groups didn't overlap at all, but my college roommate, Kyle, who's still one of my best friends in the world, he has the same birthday as Abby, you know, same day, same month, same year, so they call themselves the birthday twins. And Abby and I met through Kyle, and we started to date. Now, here's what you need to know. At this particular Christian college, this particular time, there was no such thing as just dating. You're either on this, like, rocket trajectory toward engagement, or you're about to break up. There's no middle ground, you know? There's no getting to know each other. It's a little intense, to be honest with you. And Abby and I had been dating for about three months, and it hit me. This is getting pretty serious. And we're on this rocket trajectory, you know, for sure. Here's what I did. Wussed out. I mean, I bailed completely. I broke up with her. I did the typical, it's not me, it's you thing. I was in a, we were in a car in a parking lot on campus. It was like from the movies, you know, like, it's not, it's not anything you did. It was Good Friday. You know, the Good Friday before Easter. Here's why I know it was Good Friday, because on my way back to my dorm room, I thought this is the day that Jesus died and our love died. I thought that real thing. It's kind of embarrassing. I shouldn't have said that, but it's annoyingly melodramatic, which if you get to know me, there's a little bit of that in me. Um, uh, things turned out okay. I, I came to my senses. It's one of the biggest mistakes I've, I've made, but came to my senses. We're married one, one of the points of telling the story, though, is even though Abby and I broke up, you know, and I'm reminded that we broke up, and I still hear about it occasionally, at like the worst times Abby brings it up, like in front of her parents, you know, my in-laws, they're like, remember when you broke up with me? I'm like, hey, let's not bring that up. Thank you. But the reason that I bring it up now is made a huge mistake, but I, I actually loved her. It was, it was, it was more about insecurity than it was anything. And instead of talking to her about how I was feeling, you know, like a, an adult, I, I denied it. I mean, I cut tail. I ran. I just turned around and got out of there as fast as I could. You have a story like that in your life? You know, a story where you made a really bad decision, even though in your heart... You knew you should do or you should say or you should be something different. Do you have a story about turning away from something or, or someone that you love? Now, we're in this series. We're, we're calling it Questions from Jesus. And one question that Jesus asked, actually in the story we're going to talk about today, he asked it three times, is a question that we ask each other sometimes. Jesus asks, do you love me? And we have a quick reaction to that sometimes when we're asked that, do you love me? You might immediately say, like in your head or in your heart, yeah, you know I do. Or maybe you go, no, I don't believe that you did. Or maybe you're not quite sure what to make of all this Jesus stuff. And you go, I just don't, I don't know. But our answer to the question, do you love me, is huge. It changes the way that we view each other. It changes the way we view our lives, the way we view God, the way we behave. Let me ask you, what do you love the most in your life? We all have those lists in our head, you know, that prioritization list. What's at the top? Is it, is it God? Is it spouse or, or kids or family, a brother, sister, a parent, a job? 
a goal that you have in life. Maybe it's a feeling that you pursue. You know, the most important thing is, is your comfort, your security, your stability. Do you love love? Have you ever heard that phrase? I love love. It's in every Hallmark movie. It's like contractual obligation that it's in there. Not that I watch them, but we have these lists in our head to answer this question. Do you love this? Do you love that? But there are times the way that we act, the way that we behave, the way that we live our lives actually shows us what we love rather than just what we say. You can say a lot of different things. Here's another way of saying it. Devotion drives decisions. It's not enough just to say out loud, I love you the most. Have you ever said that to somebody that you didn't love the most? Our devotion to someone or to something, the things that we love, reveals itself in the way that we act, in the way that we behave. What we're devoted to drives the way that we live our lives. Devotion drives decision. How do you know I love something? How do you know I love the Indianapolis Colts? Because I talk about them, I think about them, I cheer for them, I have alerts on my phone about them, I attend games if I can, I wear the clothing of my favorite team. That seems trivial, but we all have things like that in our life. How do we know what your favorite band is or your favorite food is? It's because of the way we act, not just how we talk about it. Now, that's a part of it, but it's not all of it. How does Abby know that I love her? Hopefully by the decisions that I make. Devotion drives decision. Decisions to stay faithful, to tell her that I love her, to work hard, to help around the house, to love our kids well, to take care of our family, to take out the trash. Something as trivial as that can, can be a decision to show devotion. And today we're going to talk about this guy who really kind of was wrapped up in this type of concept, devotion drives decisions. His name is Peter. His decisions reveal so much about what's going on in his heart. Peter is the guy that Jesus asks the question, do you love me? He asks Peter. Now, Peter's a huge part of the Gospels. Gospel literally means good news. And it's these books in the Bible that talk about Jesus' ministry on earth. And Peter's a huge part of the Gospels. He had a front row seat, but you know, kind of front row seat that you need a poncho because he's just going to become a part of the action. So here's a quick review, just a quick review of the role Peter plays in the Bible. Peter was a fisherman. He is also called Simon. He followed Jesus loudly and boldly. He was one of Jesus' first disciples. Peter knew that Jesus was God's son. Jesus even helped him walk on water. Peter betrayed Jesus three times. Jesus forgave him and loved him anyway. Peter kept following Jesus and sharing him with others. Jesus even used Peter to help build his church. Peter is one of the reasons that we know about Jesus today. Huge part of the story. Peter follows Jesus. He's one of the first disciples. He walks on water with Jesus. He's the one who says the loudest, hey, Jesus, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God. Peter said really loudly that he would never betray Jesus. Jesus even says, yeah, you, yeah, you are. You're going to do it three times. He goes, I will never do that. That's, that's kind of Peter. You know, and Jesus, okay, 
Jesus dies on the cross. He's buried in the tomb. He rises on the third day. He defeats death. But Peter betrays Jesus just like Jesus says he's going to. Three times. Thrice. We don't get to say thrice enough. Thrice. Peter's devotion, even though Jesus is who he says he was going to do, his devotion, Peter's devotion, didn't match up with his decisions. So you fast forward, all of this happens in Jesus' life, you know, death, burial, you know, resurrection, he defeats death on the third day. And then that leads to this amazing story with Peter that happens over breakfast, because a lot of good stories happen over food. Now some of the disciples are, they're out fishing, and then this includes Peter. Peter in his past life was a fisherman, but they hadn't caught anything. Jesus is on the shore, but they don't know that it's Jesus. And Jesus shouts out to them, hey, put your nets on the other side of the boat and you'll catch more fish. And I don't know why they trusted this stranger, you know, on the shore, but they do it and they catch way more fish. And then they realize, hey, it is Jesus. So Peter, in very Peter fashion, jumps out of the water onto the shore, starts in the boat, swims, goes and hangs out with Jesus. And then they sat down for the breakfast of champions, fish and bread. Gross. John 21, 15. This is where we're going to pick up the story. This is John 21, 15. After breakfast, after fish and bread, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Jesus, I think, is talking about the disciples when he says more than these. You know, Peter's this guy who regularly claimed to be the most loyal, to love Jesus the most. He's the guy who jumps out of the boat. So Peter reminds me a little bit of Muhammad Ali. Some of the best quotes are from Muhammad Ali. I mean, they're just gold. Here are a couple that Muhammad Ali said. This is what he said. It's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. If you even dream of beating me, you'd better wake up and apologize. My goodness. It's not bragging if you can back it up. And this is the type of swagger that I kind of imagine that Peter had. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Jerry talked about the time that Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? And the disciples didn't really respond, but Peter raised his hand and he said, hey, I know you're the son of God. And he's right. Peter walked on water because of his faith in Jesus. He fought when Jesus got arrested. He is bold with his faith. And Jesus asks Peter, looks square in his eyes, and he says, do you love me? And that's an easy answer for a guy like Pete, right? Yeah, he says. He says, yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Why do you think he says yes? I mean, he was there. Remember, he had the front row seat. He saw who Jesus is up close. Peter believed that Jesus is who he said he is, the Son of God, and that he would do what he said he was going to do. This is 1 John 4, 9 through 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son, Jesus, as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I believe that Peter believed those words, that he knew that this was true. Here's another way of saying it. Jesus is worth loving because he first loved us. We have reasons, right? We have reasons to believe what we believe and to love what we love. 
And so Jesus is worth loving because he first loved us. He still loves us. He perfectly loves us. So Peter has the right answer. It's locked and loaded, right? Do you love me? Yes! Then Jesus tells him, okay, since you do, since you love me, here's what I need you to do because devotion drives decisions. This is what he says, then feed my lambs. Do something. Then feed my lambs. So did Jesus have like a sheep farm? No. He's not literally talking about feeding lambs. And I know we hear the word sheep. We hear the word lamb. And we think something negative now. We think, oh, you're, you're a lamb going into slaughter. You're a sheep following blindly. But in this context, many times in the Bible, actually, people who believe in Jesus are referred to as a flock. And Jesus is referred to as the shepherd. He takes care of people. So Jesus is saying, Peter, if you love me, if you actually do, devotion drives decisions, you've got to do your best to care for people that I love, which is everybody. So he says, hey, yes, okay, then feed my lambs. But Jesus isn't done. He repeats the question. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? What do you think Peter was thinking there? Like, yeah. Yes, Lord, I just, I just answered the question. You know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Similar question, similar answer. Do you love me? Yes. Take care of people. Rinse, repeat. And we're reading the story. And we go, okay, that makes sense. But I start, to, I start to go, okay, he's telling Peter what to do, and he's telling us what to do too. What decisions should come from our devotion? And the first way we can show love for Jesus is to care for people. There's a guy in my neighborhood. He loves his lawn. You know what I mean? Like he loves it. You know how I know? Because he, it looks like a golf course. Like it's... It's, I haven't seen him do it, but it would not surprise me if he was out there like with a ruler. You know, it's just gorgeous, diagonal lines everywhere. Never talk to him about his lawn, but I know he loves it because of how much effort he puts in to care for it. Can you relate to that? Is there something that you put effort into caring for? Well, that's actually a way to love. And we don't put effort into things that we don't care about. Very rarely do we do that. It's really hard for us to do that. We don't care for things we don't care about. Caring is a way to, to show love. And these are actually words that Peter wrote later in his life that kind of illustrate this. This is a letter he wrote to other Christians. He says, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. I'm just going to pause there real quick. And we see that word and we go, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have a flock. Maybe only pastors have a flock. You heard that? That you know, the pastor and then the church is the flock and all that stuff. Well, I want to tell you, God entrusts people to you. There are people in your life that you love and you care for and you think about. They're your flock. And Peter says, watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you'll get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. You don't care for people because of what you get out of it. You care for people out of devotion for God because devotion drives decisions. But Jesus isn't done. I kind of want him to be done, but he's not done. He keeps going. And he asks a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter's hurt. Peter's hurt because he just, he doesn't understand 
why he would bring it up a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Same thing. But Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus even tells Peter, that's what you're going to do. You're going to deny me three times. And then Jesus asks Peter, do you love me three times? And that's not a coincidence. It's actually the second way we can show our love for Jesus. We can own our mistakes. I love this story because Jesus gives Peter this opportunity to own his betrayal. Normally, we push betrayal deep down and we just never acknowledge it. Think back to that night. Peter betrayed Jesus. So Jesus is arrested. He's about to get crucified on the cross. It's cold. Peter's outside kind of hoping to get a peek at what's happening. And there are people there that are warming up around this charcoal fire. And Peter's standing there. He's warming up. And somebody asks him, hey, wait, didn't I see you with Jesus? He goes, no, 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 not me. Hey, wait, you kind of sound like the guys who hang out with Jesus. And he goes, no, 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 not me. Like, no, I saw you with him. I don't know the man. And then there they are, fast forward. Jesus has already been arrested. He's already been crucified on the cross. He's already risen from the dead on the third day. He's already appeared to the disciples again. They've already been fishing. Peter has already jumped out of the boat. He's so excited. They've already eaten that nasty breakfast. And there they are, and they're sitting by this charcoal fire again. The same type of charcoal fire that Peter had warmed himself by when he betrayed Jesus. And Jesus says, do you love me? And he goes, yeah, Jesus, you, you bet. Do you love me? <sighs> okay, hey, yeah, Jesus, I answered you. And then he asks a third time, do you love me? And I think that's where the movie flashback starts. You know, the harp music? Because Peter is playing it back in his mind, back to that cold night, back to a different charcoal fire, echoes of this betrayal ringing in his ears. And Jesus asks for that third time, and Peter's hurt because Peter remembers. I think Peter knew what Jesus was saying loud and clear. And Jesus gives Peter the opportunity to own his mistake. And don't miss this. He owns the mistake Peter does right in front of the other disciples. That's not how I would choose to own it, right? I'd be like, okay, well, let's go aside. You, know, you and me, Jesus, that's it. But it was in front of everybody. Devotion drives decisions. And superficial responses like, yeah, I love you, Jesus, you bet. They just don't fly with Jesus. Peter had to own it. He had to face up to that triple betrayal. And as people, you and I, we fall short, we sin, we make mistakes. But that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love us. How amazing is that? It means that if we're a follower of Jesus, we get to own our mistakes. We need to fess up that we mess up. And we need to align those decisions with our devotion. So when I read this, I see this symmetry. And it's pretty cool, right? Betrayal, betrayal, betrayal. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Do you love me? Yes, three times, the end. But it's not the end. Oftentimes it's not the end when we think it should be. Jesus isn't quite finished. So he says, yes, show your love for caring for people Show your love by owning your mistakes. But the third way we can show love is to surrender our lives. And this is the one I don't like. This is the difficult one. I think we're on board with, yeah, I'll love other people. And I'll, I can even own my mistakes where, I, where I'm wrong. 
But Jesus asks three times and gets three answers back. And then he says, this is what devotion really means. This is what Jesus says. This is how this kind of portion of the story ends. This is Jesus' words. He says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And that feels a little cryptic to us now, but this is what it means. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. By what kind of death he would glorify God. Jesus tells Peter, if you follow me, you're going to die. That's what he's saying. That he's going to die for his beliefs. That you're going to become a martyr. And that puts a different perspective on devotion drives decisions. Now, Peter's death isn't recorded in the Bible, but tradition says, kind of history says, that Peter was crucified. That he stretched out his hands, he had others dress him, and he had people take him where he didn't want to go. And then Jesus asks this question, follow me. He says, do you love me? Follow me. Devotion drives decisions. Die for me. Peter's real devotion for Jesus leads to decisions. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, but it leads to decisions in his life. He teaches about Jesus. He preaches about Jesus. He travels all over the region, and it leads to his death. So that question, you know, the do you love me question, that's a different perspective on it. And when we answer the question from Jesus, do you love me, how does your devotion answer this question? Can you say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But what do your decisions say about your devotion? The way that you live your life. Would you be willing to die? He's telling him, if you follow me, you're going to die. And not when you grow old. Not in an easy, safe way. You're going to be tortured. You're going to be crucified. How do you answer the question then? Because devotion drives decisions. And in the midst of our own betrayal, because I have to be honest with you, I don't know if my answer is always yes to that. Probably, usually not. In the midst of where we fall short, when we go, you know what, I don't know if my devotion does drive that type of decision. God's devotion for us drives his decisions too. He doesn't ask us to do anything he's not willing to do himself. His devotion drives decisions for us. Remember 1 John 4, 9 through 10, that's what it says. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And oftentimes in our life, we focus on what we can do, and that's a good thing. But this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us so that death isn't the end anyway. Devotion drives decisions. And we are asked, do you love me? And we say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
because of the way that I care for other people, because I own my mistakes, because I'm surrendering my entire life to you. But it's not because of what we can do anyway. I can't measure up to God's standard. I can't do it. I could try. I can do my best, which is what he asked me to do, but I can't meet it. But we can turn the tables and we can ask God. He asks us to ask him. We ask God, do you love me? And he answers, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. He answers the question for us. We say, do you love me? And he says, yes, child. You know that I love you. Devotion drives decisions. I'd like to pray for us. Bow your head with me. Heavenly Father, um, I'm thankful that my devotion, our devotion, isn't the, the standard. I would fall way short. I'm so thankful that your devotion is the standard, that your devotion loves us more fully and more perfectly than we can even wrap our mind around us. And because of the way that you love us, yes, you ask us to follow you. And through following you, you ask us to care for those around us, that flock you entrust to us. You ask us to own where we fall short. You ask us to surrender everything we possibly can surrender. But not because of us, but because of you. Our devotion for you drives decisions, and our decisions are driven by your devotion. And I'm just super thankful for that today. That you would love us so much that you'd send Jesus to die on the cross. And that we have an example of somebody like Peter who messes up big time and says, I don't even know the man. And then later can say, I will, I will feed those people that are entrusted to me, and I will die because that's how devoted I am. Help us follow that example. Help us apply that to our lives this week, that it's not just something that we say with our mouths, that we say, yes, Lord, I love you, but through our lives, through our decisions, help us show other people in our lives that devotion drives decisions and our devotion is to you. We love you, and I'm so thankful today for this group of people that we can gather together and think and talk and pray and sing about you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen.